0: Join me, if you will, in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. We're continuing the series Genuine Christianity. And today we're looking at ministry. That's obviously part of a genuine Christianity. Now, as for Peter, Peter wrote this. During times of great tribulation, Uh, they were scattered throughout the region of Asia Minor. And so it was a very difficult period of time for the church. But Peter says we're not going to let that stop us from doing ministry. When we think about the culture in which we live today, we think about how turbulent things are. How upside down, if you will, things are. And yet, God has called us to live in this culture and to do ministry in this culture. And by the way, when we go outside this morning and we go into Tolono, Savoy, other places, Champagne, that we represent Christ, not only individually, but collectively. And so this morning, we're going to look at this uh Ministry. What Peter says about it. He says this on the heels of verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. And people would say, well, that was over 2,000 years ago. Well, I would remind people that as one day is 1,000 years with the Lord and 1,000 years is one day. But uh, we've been living in the last times ever since the advent of Christ. So whenever this culminates, we'll be ready. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. So he's telling the uh, readers here in Asia Minor, he's telling them that uh, one thing that you're going to need to do is, as a body of Christ, is to be sober-minded, be self-controlled, and loving others. And then in verse 9... Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. So again, the issue here is, uh, it's a precondition for ministry. We need to be loving one another, and we need to be showing hospitality to one another. And if that is done correctly, then what follows will be done perfectly. Notice, uh, as we look at this, we are given gifts. Gifts. And the scope, let's look at the scope, verse 10a. As each one has received a gift. That's the scope. As each one has received a gift. ekatos, ekatos, which is each, which means one in totality, in a distributive sense. So each person within the body of Christ has a particular ministry. As I was studying this, and I I went back and cross-referenced some scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks a lot about it. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Some things to look at here. Number one is the... Involvement of the Holy Spirit, the involvement of the Lord, and the involvement of God. All three are involved in the work of ministry. So they, they don't come just from the Spirit. The Lord is involved. God is involved. The Holy Trinity is involved. So when we talk about a church such as ours, everybody in here... And those that are watching that couldn't be here for various reasons, all of you have a gift. Everyone, you say, well, I I don't know what my gift is. Well, you can pray about that. You can talk to me about it. You can talk to a deacon about it. But the fact is, you have a gift. Everybody in this church has a gift. And God wants us to use those gifts as each one has received. Lombano is the word received. I'm going to read it directly from the Greek translation. To receive or accept an object. So when we talk about received, it is receive or uh, accept an object. Or benefit for which the initiative rests on the giver. But the focus of the attention is in the transfer upon the receiver. So here's... Here's the thing, when we are given gifts, we are given gifts that have been transferred from God, the Lord, and the Holy Spirit, and they are given to us. We are not the gift, we are not the gift. The issue is what God has gifted certain people to do in the church. The gift is never about me, it is never about you, it is the one who gave you the gift in order to be used in the broader spectrum of the church. Now, I like what Thomas Schreiner said in his commentary, believers cannot boast about the gift they have, amen, for otherwise that contradicts the gracious nature or the gracious character, thinking that somehow they deserve the bestowal. Years ago when when. God called me to preach, and it was very clear that God had called me to preach. Uh, I didn't initiate that calling. In fact, I waited several years before I finally got to, a, to the place where I said, okay, this is, this is what God wants. And so I received that gift. So this gift has never been mine. This gift was given to me by God. And so my end, on my end, my end was, okay, God has given me this gift. I want to do everything I can to grow in understanding of that gift. And it's the same way with you guys and gals out there. God has given you a gift, and your job then is to take that gift and to develop it and to use it. Harisma is the word for gift, which means given freely and generously. When we give a gift, let's say at Christmas, uh, and I know Christmas was a couple of months ago, but you go out and you shop and you buy gifts and you give them freely to people that you love, friends, neighbors, whatever. That is given freely. Without, with a few exceptions, there may be strings attached to those gifts, but God doesn't do that with us. He gives those gifts freely. That's why he says to each one who has been given a gift that it may be used for the body. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. Do you know your gift? Do you know what God has called you to do? If you don't or you're uncertain, that's okay. But you can still talk to God and say, God, what gift would you have me use in the body of Christ because here's the thing when you're given a gift and you don't use it it actually hinders the work of the church it actually hinders the scope and the ability of the church to be able to minister to one another but not only that to minister to a community that desperately needs to know Christ now what's the purpose He'll talk about that right here. Look at verse 10b. Use it to serve one another. Diakono. Use it to serve. Diakono. One word in the Greek. It means to render assistance or help performing certain duties. This is key. Listen to this, please. To render assistance or help by performing duties. Often of a humble And menial nature. It means to serve or to render service, to help or to serve in any capacity. When we talk about the gifts in the church, we have to remember since we received it, we weren't the author of the gift. God transferred that gift to us. We then have a responsibility to receive that gift and to begin using it, but we can never get to the place where I am. The gift. I am everything, and I am going to self-promote myself. This is my gift, and this is what I've been given with by God, and I'm the best at it. No. Um, <laughs> that's the wrong attitude, because when you receive the gift, you have to humble yourselves to be able to do that gift properly as God designed it. I'm skeptical, not of our praise team, but I'm skeptical of a lot of these praise bands. I don't know. Maybe it's me, but I've seen so much in 34 years of competition between bands. Our band's better. My band's better than yours. Uh, Standing up seemingly to self-promote. I don't know, I think the object of a praise band is to bring the congregation into the presence of God. Is that right? It's not to make millions and millions of dollars. I'm sorry. I just don't see that. And that doesn't mean they, casting crowns and others are are wrong not to make money, but you always, the danger in getting to a place of self-promotion is that it is no longer about ministering to people, it's self-promoting. And, and there are a lot of gifted uh, people that play music and sing, and there's a lot of gifted pastors. And we'll talk about me and you guys in just a few minutes. But when I think of ministry, I don't think of the big positions. I, once years ago, we had a, uh, the executive director of the Southern Baptist in Ohio came to my church, it was a bigger church then. He got up there and I said, now we have, and i never forget this, I learned it as a young pastor, 34 years old. Um, I built him up and he got up and he said, I, I don't like disagreeing with the pastor, but he said, I am the lowliest of servants and I'm here to serve you. Bam. Okay. That was one that I logged in, and uh, he preached that morning. And I told him afterwards, I said, yeah, I, I guess I didn't do that right. And he said, Pastor, it's okay. When I think of ministry, I think of the work. I think of the work in the church. I think of somebody that is cleaning the church. This man here vacuuming. They're cleaning the church. Do you know how important that is in the life and ministry of a church? You th- Well, wait a minute, isn't it deacon and pastor and, and isn't it Sunday school teachers? It can be, and those are needed in the church. But when we have visitors that come in and they see a dirty church or they see uh, the bathrooms a mess, do you think those people will come back? Probably not. This is a huge ministry. And I want to thank God for the ones that are cleaning the church here. Uh, thank you for your service. That's not often said. Uh, and I, you know, since these gifts are diverse, and there's a lot of them, to me, including myself, pulpit ministry, all gifts are combined One is not greater than the other, although I am aware of my own responsibility here. But these gifts work in concert with one another. Um, The praise team, when they're up here, we don't get to a place where we self-promote. The praise team is up here, equally important because they help usher us into the presence of God, at least my understanding. And so they should be singing from within their own hearts, and saying, Lord, we love you, we thank you. And, and ultimately, that's the way it should be. This isn't a place for my show. It's all about me. And unfortunately for me, I have seen that. Uh, in my first church, full-time church, we had two or three uh, praise teams one night playing. And I was floored, even as a young pastor, the dialogue that was taking place between those. I was like, you're not worshiping. You're thinking you're better than somebody else. And maybe that's my bad. Maybe that's something that I've noticed and I'm a little skeptical of it. I'm not saying there aren't praise teams out there that their whole purpose is to glorify and worship God. And to le- I'm not saying that, but I'm saying my observation has been a little different. Do we really need smoke machines in church? Yeah, I'm skeptic. But another uh, gift in the church. Oh, I love John MacArthur. I think he's one of the best preachers that's alive right now. And I know he's getting up there in years. But John MacArthur is... He is what I would call, and here I am elevating him, but I know he's the gold standard. He's a standard that I shoot for um, in sermon preparation and everything. Uh, I don't deify him. I know he's a man. He's a sinner. He's saved by grace. John would readily acknowledge that. But these are all gifts that God has given. Notice we use it to serve in a humble Nature, we serve the church. So when I, when I sit down, and I'll go into this in greater detail in just a minute. When I sit down, I try to look at how best God wants me to use these verses to help you to live out your Christian walk, not only outside these walls, but inside these walls. And uh, these are all important gifts. And I would, would say that we use it to serve one another. Think of it this way. You have a gift, and it's to help Dave. It's to help Kent. It's to help different people in the church. So when, when you use that gift, when you come in and maybe you're cleaning the floor or cleaning the church, you're saying, okay, this is an important ministry because not only will it provide a clean environment for worship, but it can also help outsiders when they come in and say, wow, they really care about their church. They can keep it clean. And, uh, so we've got to be watchful of that. I like what Howard Marshall said in his commentary as well. What has been given to an individual has been given for others. And that person is merely the agent of God in passing it on. Just like I'm the agent of the sermon, merely passing it on. Consequently, the main thrust of verse 10 is that gifts are to be used to serve others. So when you sign up, if you will, sign up for a ministry within the church, you have then a responsibility to use that gift to minister to the body of Christ, and it does. First of all, I wanna thank you Sunday school teachers. Thank you. I know you spend time working on your lessons. I want to thank you for that, because that's very important. And in particular, our kids, those that work with our kids, thank you very much. It's meaningful, listen to this, think, think, think about this. When a Sunday school teacher, all teachers, um, work hard at their lessons, they are strengthening the body of Christ and also with our kids. You don't, think, you don't think this makes a difference, but it does. Even if those kids don't seem to get the lesson at the particular time. Let me go all the way back to when I was 12. I wasn't in church all the time. But I had a friend, Larry McCabe, who lived down the road from me. And he would take me, we walked, to this church. It was in our neighborhood. I think it was in Assemblies of God, or I can't really remember now, but I see the building. Um... We also, the pastor, let us play baseball out there, and I fouled one off and broke the window. Um, pastor came out, and he said, that's all right, boys. That was huge. That pastor didn't run out and say, I'm calling the police, You go home. And then when, it, we, when we would go to Sunday school, I still remember the little hands out. I can still see that had a huge impact on me. That was God laying the foundation for later. Listen, teachers, you are laying the foundation for the future. And you go, well, they don't get it. They're not getting it. What can I do? You just do the lesson. You just do the lesson. Because somewhere in there, yeah, somewhere in there, they will get it and it will be caught. Now, if I can go back 13, I don't know how many years ago that was. It was a lot, 50. Yeah, I'll be be 63. I shouldn't probably say that, but yeah, I'm starting to migrate north now. Um, What you do matters. Somewhere down the road, one of these children that are here today are going to go, you know what, I remember... my Sunday school teacher saying this. I remember Pastor Mike saying something about this in a sermon. You don't think kids are getting stuff, but they are. And so when when the church is functioning as it should, the younger members are looking at it and go, wow, this is what I remember about church. There's many of you that can probably go back in your histories and, and, and think about moments where it made a huge difference in your life. So, yeah, let me just thank the teachers, the Sunday school teachers. It's, it's huge. Cleaning the church is huge. Preaching is huge. Doing outreach is huge. By the way, we are going to start praying go up again. We got to get out of the sub, uh, the Russian winter is what I'm calling it. But once we get out of that, we're going to go back outside. It's just too cold. Although I hear we're in for a warm-up. Is that true? Today's 50. Break out the suntan lotion. Yeah. It's pretty good. But ultimately, it is to serve others. Remember that. Whatever you do in the church, it serves others. So not only are we given gifts... This is central and crucial to the understanding of this sermon. These gifts that are given by God are used to glorify Him. Stewardship, verse 10c. Notice what Peter writes. As good stewards of God's varied grace. The word good, kalos, it's a nominative adjective. It has six different meanings. It can mean good, meaning fine value, can mean advantageous, it can mean beautiful, it can mean attractive, or it can mean important high status, or it can mean proper, or it can mean moral character. I go with the last two. As proper stewards... Of God's various grace. Of moral character. Of stewardships. Of God's grace. Those those two strike closer at the meaning. The word stewards. Is one who had. Listen to this. This is important. One who has the authority. And responsibility for something. So let's go back for a minute. God has given you a gift. Now you have to take ownership of that gift. God has given you the gift. You say, okay, Lord, I think you want me to uh, start an outreach program. I will take ownership of that gift. I will work in developing that gift. When I think of stewardship, I think of CEOs. Uh, Chief Executive Officers who are over a corporation. They're in charge of marketing. They're in charge of media. They are in charge. Of course, they have people under them, but ultimately the buck stops with the CEO. How to handle workers' compensation. All of these things come under this umbrella of a CEO. It's a huge responsibility. And when a CEO fails, they're usually voted out and somebody else is put in. But a CEO, you could think of it this way you are a CEO of the gift God has given you. You say, Well, I can't really do much, I can't get around that well. You have a gift. Let me tell you one possible gift that you have prayer. And our church needs prayer. Our world needs prayer. You can do that. Take ownership of the gift that God has given you and look at all the dimensions of that and use it to glorify God and to minister to one another. So if you're not actively working in the church, here's where we say pack your bags, we're going on a guilt trip. If you're not actively working in the church, you're actually hindering the ability of the church to fulfill all of its mission. So become active in the church, in any type of ministry. Pray about it, obviously, but ask God to give you the wisdom and say, Lord, where would you want me to serve? I, I, I can't remember. I think we had 145 positions at one time here in the church. We have several teams, we have a hospitality team, we have a worship team, we have all these different teams. Find out where you belong and and fit in. People say, well, hospitality is not that important. Oh yeah, it is. That's another huge ministry, Ruth. You're the CEO of that ministry. See me after church then, Yeah. Um, it's important because I've seen the effects that a hospitality team can have on a grieving family it's a huge ministry so as believers we are responsible for the gifts that God has given us that means we need to take it seriously whether it's the praise team, whether it's any team that we have, you have to take it seriously. Peter mentions here two types of gift. And I, I, I think Peter's just putting them in, in, in two different camps. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. This is difficult to translate. Very difficult. Um, it may look easy on the surface, but it's, it's actually pretty difficult. Whoever speaks... As one who speaks the oracles of God. Well, the word oracle refers to message or content of the message. So, one of the things, when a pastor stands before a congregation... Of course, this church is empty. I like the Bible right here. The oracles of God are right here. The pastor then comes along and he studies the text. One of the things that I do is I actually make a structural outline of the text. And I look at how this affects this. And what this means down here. So as I study it. I'm not really coming up with anything. God is fleshing an outline for me. So that I can present it to you. So I have to. Here's the Greek exegesis that I do. And I go okay God. How do I transfer this over to make it. Usable for the congregation. And as I go through it without fail. Now there's sometimes. And it's like pulling teeth. And I'm like, okay, God. Sometimes I just take a break from it. But then I come back and inevitably God reveals it to me. The pulpit, the pulpit is not a place for generating one's own ideas. In other words, I don't have an idea and then go search the Bible To find the text. What I do is I allow the text to speak. So that I can speak it with authority to you guys and gals. I don't self-impose. That would be like taking a square and trying to put it in a round hole. And many, and I can speak of this because I've seen it. I don't know what many pastors are doing today. I don't know if it's a philosophy preaching, but it, it always has to be tied in here. You don't go, you don't you, 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 can't, you can't let it just one verse live in isolation. And I've I've heard pastors use one verse as a springboard to all kinds of social ideologies. And philosophies. You cannot do that. You need to anchor the text. And so when the pastor gets in the pulpit in the morning, Sunday morning or Wednesday, whenever it is, and he's reading the Bible, he is speaking the oracles of God. I have struggled with this for years. At what point, at what point does the sermon become divinely inspired? And at some points, I'm still struggling with that. But I think possibly that the sermon becomes divinely inspired as it is preached within the context and the confines of what God is trying to say and which I'll be judged on. person the pastor gets up, he should realize that what he says will be judged by God. So it becomes very important. And so Peter writes. Whoever speaks as one who speaks. Of the oracles of God. The message of God. Stick to the biblical text. And explain the message. Secondly. Now notice he talks about speaking gifts. But then he talks about serving again. Whoever serves. As one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Again, Howard Marshall makes a good observation here. Peter is usually assumed to be saying that such tasks can be carried out thanks to the spiritual strength that God gives to the servant. And I know you've probably had this in your life. God, I can't do this it's a heavy ministry, but then he gives you the ability to do it. But also... He might mean that the servant is to pass on to others the strength that God himself freely and generously provides. I think both are correct. In one sense, when you're called to a ministry, inevitably, when you don't see results, and I'm going to tell you this personally, whenever you don't see results of that ministry, it becomes harder and harder to do that ministry, right? Right? Because you're not seeing any evidence. It's at that point. You need to be carried by God. To continue to do the ministry. But in the other sense. When you do do the ministry. Like when the praise team sings. And worships. It feeds our hearts. And it encourages us. And it gives us strength. When the Sunday school teacher teaches a class. When the uh, All the other ministries in the church, when they are done, they strengthen. Well, if John's doing it and he's ministering to me, wow, that helps. And then I'm going to turn around and do the ministry I have. And it kind of energizes the church. I think both are correct. You can't do the ministry without him. But that ministry can also give strength to others. Well, if they're doing this, then that gives me encouragement. Now, the ultimate purpose, at least as I see it here, the ultimate purpose is found in verse 11b. It's a doxology. The ultimate purpose of the gift. In order that, in everything, whether hospitality team, whether deacon, whether... Uh, uh, praise team whether pastoring all those things in everything God may be glorified you see that he gives he says okay I'm going to give you a gift God I'm going to take that gift I'm going to be humble as I use it but I also need the strength to be able to do the ministry that you've called me to do as I take the task seriously in order that I do not self-promote, but that I promote God with my life. My whole goal would then become to take whatever God has given me and to use it to bring glory to Him. Raking leaves, whatever you do, do heartily as unto the Lord. Anything that you do in your life, not just church. Anything that you do, make it the life goal to glorify God and not yourself. The word glorified is doxazo, doxazo, and that means that God may be honored and respected. Everything that we do should focus on honoring and respecting God no matter what it is. Here, and particularly with the church. So if you're cleaning a sink, clean it for the glory of God. If you're singing, sing for the glory of God. If you're making a meal for somebody, do it to bring glory to God. Whatever it is. Finance team, whatever it is. You do it to bring glory to God. Anything. We must set aside our own goals and self-promotion. We're given that gift so that God gives us that gift. We humble ourselves. We use it to glorify God and to minister to one another. I like what Spence Jones says. I didn't put it up here. The glory of God should be the one end of all Christian work. Let me say that again. The glory of God should be the one end of all Christian work. When I preach, preach for the glory of God. When you teach, teach for the glory of God. When you sing, sing for the glory of God. It takes the focus off of us and off of me. So that when I preach, I preach for the glory of God and to get the message into the hearts of the people. And that's the way it should be. I wonder how radical churches would change if that was the end goal of every ministry. What would that look like? It would be exciting. It would be exciting. This is no longer about me. This is about the one who redeemed me and saved me. And boy, it would radically change the way the church works. God has given the church gifts. That is a fact. Every person within the sound of my voice has a gift. Been given by God. You need to try to find it. You are to be using your gifts for the benefit of others. Again, it's not self-promotion. This is sacrificial service to others. The gifts are designed purposefully to meet the needs of one another. You go to a restaurant, you sit down, you have a server. The server exists to take your order, to minister, if you will, to serve you. They go get your food, they bring it, they follow up on you. Yes, it's part of their job, but that's a really good picture. We are serving one another and how we do that speaks volumes about what we believe about ministry. That's true. If I'm doing this to be seen by men, I'm in deep, deep trouble. Deep trouble. That's why I spent years learning through school, through other mentors, how to develop the gift that God has given me. So we take it seriously and we do it for the glory of God. The ultimate purpose of ministry, hands down, without a doubt is to bring glory to God.